I'm David Bryan. And I'm Brenda Bryan. This is Renovation Made Right. If you're considering a remodeling project now or sometime in the future, Renovation Made Right is your single source to help guide you through getting the project you want and an experience that you'll enjoy. Renovation Made Right tackles topics that range from how to select the right project and contractor to tips on surviving the remodeling process to best practices for kitchen and bath design. We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design-build remodeling company Black Dog Builders in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire. We're sitting down with industry professionals to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. Hello and uh, welcome back to another edition of Renovation Made Right. I am Dave Bryan, your co-host and my lovely wife. Brenda Bryan. Is with me as well. Yes. How are you? I am fabulous. Good. As always. Awesome. Try to be. You look awesome with that mask hanging on your chin. Hey, you like we, it? We, we often have comments. It's the mask beard. So for the, depending on when this airs, we are still knee deep in the middle of COVID times yes. here. And, and, uh, and so we're in our little studio and we're having a guest come in today. So we've worn our masks. So we have to mask but, up for the guests. But and the, the guest is not here yet. So we're, no. we're just but polluting I do fi- the air. I do find it's it. probably not safe. This yeah. is probably not safe at all. <laughs> it's just fine. We're using all the protocols. What are you talking about? We're breathing in the air here. I'm like huffing out into this this tiny little studio. Okay, then put your mask back on. I'm going to put it back on. I'm going to put it back on right now. Can you still hear me? I'm you're, all. You're out of your mind. But <laughs> I am not out of yeah, my mind. The, uh, the number of times, the number of times I will go into a store or be out doing things and see people with their mask on their chin, as if the uh, CDC has come out and said, by all but by all means, protect your chin, chin. Before, more than anything else, because contact with your chin is what get with transmits the disease, right? Or or even just like if they have it over their mouth but not over their nose. Yeah, that's good know? too. Yeah, yeah. yeah you so. think, really? Yeah. So I think you're missing the boat. All right. So uh, today um, we are going to do some more Q and A for you. So we are. Um, I think. I think my. Uh, lovely co-host has got a few questions teed up. That we're I go do over. have some exciting questions. And some of them may be questions for you. You can ask the question and answer the questions, and I I'll might. just sit here and look at you. And I then might. some of them might be questions for me. Well, you know, but you're so good at talking. <laughs> here we go. And even when and you here don't we know go. things, you're good at talking. And so it begins. And so it begins. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so our first question here is from Renee O. in Andover, Mass. And she says, how often should we refinish the wood floors? We have a family of four, usually no shoes in the house, a dog, moderately heavy traffic. And we are in the process of refinishing our kitchen, but it has lino now. But we want the design to flow better with the rest of the wood floors. But they're unique and are going to be difficult to match. Ah. So a little so, bit of a conundrum. Yeah, so let's talk about that. We talked a little bit about a wood flooring in one of our previous Q&As about somebody who wanted to sand, do their own sanding and refinishing, right? Right, right. Um, and so, in general, uh, some of the same things that we talked about there apply here, which is um, every time you finish your floor, you take off a certain amount of wood, right. right? And so, if you let your floor get to a place where it has bare spots, you don't really have a choice. You have to go ahead and do sort of a full sanding mm-hmm. and, lo- and lose some Take thickness, off like right? an eighth of an inch. Yeah, yeah. up to, right? Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, with a board that's only three quarters of an inch thick, you can only do that so many times, mm-hmm. Right. Um, before you get down into the fasteners. And the truth of the matter is that's probably about three, uh, right. maybe four times, right? So I, I would judge the refinishing based on the condition of your floor. And if your floor is in reasonable condition, 
um, I would do what we talked about last time, which is this thing called a buff and recoat. Mm -hmm. And instead of using a full aggressive sanding machine, uh, they use an orbital machine that will essentially screen the floor and make it receptive to new finish, mm -hmm. and then you can put it on. If you did get, if you do have bare spots, you got to do that. Now, and with with no shoes in the house, um, you obviously going to make the floor last a lot longer. With a dog in the house, you're going to make a floor last Plus, less, yeah, right? Exactly. Unfortunately, yeah. and some of it also depends on the type of wood, right? A soft wood like a pine is uh, it gets abused very quickly mm -hmm. and does not hold up nearly as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you also then need to kind of embrace the fact that that's the nature of that wood and be okay with it, or you shouldn't have right. it wood in the house. Right, right, exactly. I remember our first house had pine floors, and when they went down, they were just so beautiful. They were pristine. And then life started. Yeah. They were all scratched up. But it was part of, you know, you say, okay, after a while, it's just right. part of the patina, and it, it, and it feels right, but you just need to be okay with that. Yeah, and if you, if you are the kind of person who's going to cringe every time you see a new dent in the floor, it's not the right floor for you. Right, right? Exactly. And so, so yeah, so it, to Renee's question, I think, um, look at the condition of the floor. If it's in reasonable condition right now, which it probably is if you've been sort of carefully lately wearing it based, based on no shoes and such, uh, you may very well be okay with a, with a screen of recoat. Right. right? Obviously, the screen of recoat doesn't give you a chance, sorry, to uh, change any color or things of that nature, right? right and you're going right. to have to stick with the same kind of finish, which might have been an oil-based finish. But that's only half of the question. The other oh, question me. was... She has lino in her kitchen. They're renovating the kitchen. They want to be able to um, make it flow a little bit better for the rest of the house. So, But the wood floor is unique. So the question is, how do we make this work? So I guess I would say, if this is, if this is a wood floor and it's unique in that, like, you know, some wood floors have, um, you know, wood plugs in them mm -hmm. or things mm -hmm. like that, as long as you're matching the wood, so in other words, if it's a white oak floor with dark oak plugs, you could you could actually literally match it perfectly if you wanted to. Or you could just say, I'm just going to put a white oak floor in the kitchen and come as close as I can um, and not maybe put the, the plugs in. And and so visually it will still carry through. Well, yeah, so I would agree with that. I'd also consider to say, all right, today, if you're working with a good, competent designer who has got good um, drafting skills, you might be able to do sort of a virtual rendition of the kitchen as it is and how it relates to the current floor and then propose because you may, if you're shown um, a new version of that same floor, of, of, of your existing floor that's not in the kitchen and then maybe a new floor that's entirely different, you might be able to do a beautiful tile or a beautiful luxury vinyl plank um, that would complement that floor, right. um, provide maybe a better level of utility in the kitchen, right. um, but work really well. So, I don't, so I, you know, the idea, I think the statement was like flows well. Well, flows well doesn't have to be the same floor. Right. Flows well could still be a totally different floor. Um, and today... But just with, complements it. Yeah. yeah, and today with our software, it's much easier for people not to really kind of have to take such a leap of faith. They can do a, we can do a better job at helping mm -hmm. them see mm -hmm. what they're going to get. It's not perfect, right? It's not, right. It's not photorealistic per se, but, but a much better job so you're not feeling quite so scared about right. making that leap. Right. All right? Yep. Good. I agree. All what right. do you got? Time for our next one. Wow. That, like we blew through that in record time. Well. All right. Here's a good question. What? Okay, this is from Nancy B. in Greensboro, North Carolina. What is the best way to handle mold? I have a bathroom with poor ventilation, and my three teenage boys are forever in the shower. Ah, uh, excellent question. Excellent question. So um, this is something we contend with a lot because we're, we rip out a lot of bathrooms, right? Mm -hmm. And almost every bathroom um, is inadequately ventilated, yep. right, or noisily ventilated. Well, that's the bigger problem. <laughs> right? I think a lot of bathrooms are in 
uh, inadequately ventilated because the bath fan is so noisy that you hate turning it on. Right. It sounds like a jet engine in there, and so people just avoid turning it on. So a couple things to think about. Um, so bathroom ventilation is rated on what they call CFM, and CFM stands for cubic feet per minute, right? So is that a quiz for me? Uh, no. I knew that. That was a statement of fact. Ah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Unless you want to refute it. No, I do not. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I think making sure it, it, many older smaller bath vent fans are moving a relatively small amount of air 40 yeah, like 40 or 40 60 or cubic like feet per maybe minute, 80 right? at the max yeah um and and, and or they may not be well placed mm -hmm. depending on where they could be in the bathroom right yeah. so if you put a fan uh, out in the middle of the bathroom um, and it's then got to suck the moisture that's being generated in the shower all across the ceiling and out that fan it's going to be less effective and it's than mm -hmm. it's than if it is in the direct source of the moisture right right um, now, having said that, it also then is less effective for exhausting odor, right? Right, which we which also, is really super important. Right? You got three boys, you're going to have some odor, yeah. <laughs> right, there's no two ways about that, <laughs> and uh, and so a uh, couple things to think about here. The other the other problem is intent, right? So we have cubic feet per minute, we have moisture, we have odor, and but the biggest thing that we often don't have is intent on the part of your children to turn, turn the damn the fan, fan on. on, right? Even if right? it's quiet. They right. just wouldn't do it. Right, exactly. So we got these <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I I bumped the table, and when I bumped the table, it makes a noise. And Meryl, our our awesome producer, who has got her COVID mask on, all I can see are her eyes, and her eyes got really squinty and really angry really quickly at me, and I was I felt very like I was being punished. So yeah, I you apologize. Are, you are just being punished. <laughs> just got you're, me off guard. You're like, and so the thing with Dave, everybody has to understand, is he's a gesticulator, which means his arms are always flying around to make a point. I think we've made this point before on the show. Yeah. And yes. you're constantly knocking at the thing. And now I've got so, my hands. So Meryl is, is constantly glaring at you. And I have my hands laced together on the table, so I'm not going to make any more moves. Yeah, them, that's right? such a lie. But I can't keep talking now. Yeah, okay, so, keep going. Um, all right, so uh, the problem is getting your kids to actually uh, turn the damn fan on when they go in the bathroom is a big deal. You just swore. Right? So This is a family show. Okay, we can. that's good for a G, right? Maybe that's, PG. No, that was... All right. Right. And so when, when we do this, um, the 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 actual we're gonna have turn. To bleep that out. So would you stop? <laughs> All right. So we're turning on the fan. Um, <laughs> so if we put the fan close to the source, that's a big deal in the design. Secondly. Another big problem, actually, I didn't even mention this, and I should have talked about this before, and we find this all the time in existing homes. Another big problem is it's very common for builders just to throw the bathroom ventilation exhaust up in the attic and let it just blow up in the attic. Oh, God, right? yeah. And then so, all of a sudden you have this terrible mold problem in your attic because you're blowing your, your shower vent up there the whole Exactly. And you're also, not, you're also not exhausting to the outside where there's the least amount of resistance, right? right? So you want that vent to get to the outside in any number of different ways. The best way is through a gable end or through the roof. Generally speaking, venting it through the soffit, which is the roof overhang, is not that great because moisture can come back up into, right. if you have a vented soffit, which you should have mm -hmm. in most cases, um, it, that's a problem, right? So um, so the, the, one, the two ways to overcome this, first of all, think about what you're placing your fan Think about the, the cubic feet per minute. We don't like we like to put in fans that don't move any less than 100 cubic feet per minute, mm -hmm. right? So that's an important metric, 100 cubic feet per minute. So when you're looking for your fan, think about that. The other thing that I really like to do sound. Um, is, well, so Sones. Sones, yeah. right. S-O-N-E-S, so is the sound rating of the fans. Right. So right? you want to choose something that's low sone. Low sone. Like, and it'll often say that. It'll say, like, whisper quiet or low sone. Exactly. Or, exactly. And that's the one you want to pick because at least right. then when it's on, you're not just, you know, constantly being annoyed by the sound. Right. Now, unfortunately, there's an inverse correlation between um, sound and price. 
The, <laughs> the lower the sound, the higher the price. Right. But it is worth it to do that. So finding a low-sone fan um, that will move at least 100 CFM of air or more is important. And the last piece that I really encourage people to think about is if instead of putting a toggle switch or any kind of a single pole switch on the wall that's going to turn the fan on, if you put a motion sensor mm -hmm. on the wall, you can put a motion sensor on and when you walk in the bathroom, the fan automatically goes on. Yet, Yes, there'll be a percentage of times when you don't need it on, mm -hmm. but often you're going to be using the bathroom for whatever reason and, vent and venting it, there's nothing, there's no downside to it. Right. So you can put that fan on and as long as there's motion in the bathroom, it stays on and then when the motion stops, it, you can set the duration of time for how long that fan will keep exhausting. Right, so if it like keeps exhausting for... Two minutes or five minutes or 10 right. minutes or 15 right. minutes, right? And we do that like in commercial bathrooms um, and so that the, the hallway outside, multiple bathrooms in a, in a building where the bath's being used all the time, you never have an odor problem, right? right. Because the, the, van the fans run for 10 minutes after someone last uses the bathroom mm -hmm. and it's, it's just much nicer. The same exact thing e because even though you stop showering, uh, you are moisture is still, still lingering, oh, yeah, right? Exactly. And so the more dry air you can pull in from the rest of the house into that space and suck out the moisture with it, the better off you are. Mm -hmm. So that was a pretty long-winded answer, but that's an important, uh, it's a, an important issue, I think. And uh, the other thing to consider too is like the mold and mildew. If you have a textured ceiling in your bathroom, mm, it's like it's a terrible. mold sponge, yeah. right? It holds the mold, hold, it, it gives more surface area um, for the mold to take hold because the mold needs moisture, temperature, and a food source. And food source is usually dirt or dust, right? right. Um, and so, so those textured ceilings yeah. have so a lot we, of like dust on them. Yeah. Right. So we encourage clients to consider smooth ceilings um, in the process of renovation their bath renovating their bathroom along with good ventilation. And there's there's other ventilation solutions you can consider. Like my biggest the, the biggest product that I like the best is a product called Fantech, um, which is a, a, a remote fan where you can actually put the fan up in the attic. It's the quietest of all the fans. Yeah, because all you hear is the movement of right. the air, not the, not the sound of the Precisely. Motor. And right. you can put a splitter on the fan. So you buy one fan, but you can put a vent over the shower and you can put a vent over the toilet and you get the benefit of good vent location right. for, for multiple both. spaces right. with just one, the cost of one device, right? right? And, and it's, it's a more expensive device, but it's way better. Mm -hmm. So, yep. all right. So that was a long way around the horn. Sorry about that. No, but, that's okay. But it's a good subject and it's an important subject and it's something that a lot of people are bothered by. Yeah, so. but but the key takeaway, I think, to this is the, the motion sensitive switch. Absolutely. Especially with teenage, with any children. Right. Right. But especially we, we, with teenagers. We have four kids. We've put them in all the bathrooms in our house, except ours. And ever since we've done that, it's been way better. Oh, yeah. Because there was. There was a huge mold problem even for our kids. Right. right. So. <laughs> you say even for our kids. Like they're especially well-trained, which they're not. No, they're not. They're terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible people. All right. Uh, so our next question is actually from our producer. Ah, just talking about The this. lovely Meryl and talented Meryl. In. I know. Exactly. She said... Our house was built in 1920. It's an old mill house, and the stairs are way too steep. They're not currently up to code um, or current code. Uh, and it's been suggested to me to replace them. What's involved in that process? Great question. And it's actually a question we run into. A, it's a design challenge we run into all the time um, on many of the projects we look at. Um, and it's especially true on projects. We do a lot of basements, right? So it's especially true on basement projects that mm -hmm. often maybe they were able to design a conforming stair upstairs, and then they just stuffed a little tiny stair in the basement, right? right? And that's not uncommon at all. Or if they have a deep basement, you or, know, yeah, so the, the, the especially run tall, has to be right. especially steep. Mm -hmm. So um, so here's the challenge. I, I guess uh, maybe uh, some, some advice and then an input about that. So um, 
the idea, so stairs are combined of like two variables, right? So they, it's what's called rise, rise and, and run. run. Exactly. Let's say it together. Again. Rise and run. I really like it. Um, and uh, so the code. I just want to get a word in edgewise every once in a while. Just well, so you, I feel like, I no, I, I know nothing about stairs. So this is a beautiful thing, but just every once in a while, I just want to say a word or two. And I knew, <laughs> I knew you were going to say rise and run. So I just felt like I had to jump in there. You are brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant, I tell you. So, um, so on the rise and run, right? We're so stairs, way too much fun today. stairs can only have um, X amount of rise. So typically in um, resident construction, the, the rise for residential, not commercial, but is is eight and a quarter inches. You can't What's have a tread. What's for commercial? It's, it's seven. It's smaller. Yeah. Seven goes yeah. lower, right? right. Um, and uh, so eight and a quarter rise. And the rub with that is that then you can have you you need to have. That's cert- that determines a certain number of treads you have to have mm-hmm. to go from one floor to the next, mm-hmm. right? So you basically take the height between the floors and divide that by eight and a quarter, and that's the least number of treads you can have, right? right? If you divide that, and let's say, wow, eight and a quarter is a little steep. I don't want my stairs quite that steep, or you're going to be doing a project for a home that's an older home, older people. You want a little shallower stair. Then you're actually going to end up with more treads mm-hmm. to make that. And every time you add a tread, you increase the size of the hole right. the stair has to cover, right? right? And, and especially in older homes where you t- you can't really push out any further, there's some limitations. Well, and so that's the thing. Yeah. So depending on how your stair is configured, um, what ends up happening, the only way you can actually get a more comfortable stair is by increasing the length of the hole where the stair lands mm-hmm. right so if the hair let's say just to remove remove the variables the stair is going to start in the same place mm-hmm. so it, wherever it's wherever the first step is right now it's going to start there again and you want to make the stair shallower let's say that means you have to add at least one probably two treads if it's super steep right which is going to then push where the stair ends typically out like almost two feet two. yeah no right. more than that right yeah. so treads are we don't want it to have the treads be any less than 10 inches mm-hmm. real and that's not comfortable so call it 11 inches so if you add two more treads that means where the stairs land needs to be 22 feet uh, 22 inches pardon me deeper into the house mm-hmm. so then you think about that and the say holy cow hallway, and right, all of a sudden now, i'm pushing a, you know two feet further in my upstairs hallway do i have that space exactly right and and rarely is the answer yes right mm-hmm. it, it, you're going to be bumping into a bathroom you're going to be bumping into the other wall in the hallway you're going to be bumping into whatever you might even be bumping into the slope of a roof on a on a cape type of structure right? right and the other problem is it's all structural work right so you have to do a significant amount of demolition around the stair opening to then reframe the stair opening because the, the, every every time you put an opening in a floor it's effectively got you got to um, add additional framing around that opening to allow it to carry the load um, that it's that it would otherwise carry if there weren't that hole there. I'm right? pretty and sure you so, lost everybody. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. I so, mean, I'm barely following, but I know I know a lot more than most people, so I'm sure they're. Really oh, going, you do, do you? So anyway, so the long and the short of it is, it's a very involved process. It's difficult to do. It almost always has other things that impact you, and as as we've said before on the show, as long as you don't touch the stair, if you do a renovation project, the town will not require of you to make it compliant. Now, if you're trying to make it compliant because you have a physical need or someone in the house has a physical need, that's a different story, but it, it doesn't make the project any less daunting. It's a big deal, right? right? So the bottom line is just don't do not do it. Buy another house. If you buy a house with a steep, <laughs> if you buy a house with a steep stair, 
uh, be you, okay you with gotta, it before you yeah, buy it. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, because because um, it's probably not going to get changed. Wait, out. Or or plan on wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, or plan on a major major renovation that would include stair rework. Right. And we do that. You know, we've done that before as well. But it's it's a big deal. Right, and you have to love your house a lot. You do to make it worthwhile. You sure do. So, uh, do we have time for one more? We do have time for one more. Let's do one more. So and I will see. try to be a little less long-winded. Okay, here we go. Give well, you... no, this one's for me. Ha ha! <laughs> you shall not talk at all. Speaking of long-winded. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm a really avid cook and I'm thinking of renovating my kitchen. What I'd like to know is, is it worth it to buy a double oven? Ha ha! That's a great question. It is a great question. So, the answer is no. Okay, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> it depends on what you're doing. So a lot of people think, oh, I want to have a double oven because on the one year, one time a year that I actually cook like a huge, huge meal and I need, like it's Thanksgiving, right? Or Christmas, right? This is, this is the one or two times a year that people are thinking about, oh, the fact that I need a double oven. More often than not, they do not. Now that's not to say that like if you're an avid baker and you're using your oven constantly, that it might not be something that you want to invest in. But if you're just an avid, avid cook, a lot of the stuff is on the cooktop. You can actually, so two things. If size constraints or budget constraints say, I can only have one oven, get a convection oven uh, because convection is a different way of cooking. So, so if you think about an oven, the old style ones was a radiant um, cooking where the element is on the bottom of the stove and all the heat rises and that's how everything cooks. Now, most ovens um, are either both either convection or radiant or just convection. And the convection means there's an element in the back of the oven and a fan, and there's hot air that circulates throughout the oven. Now, I'm a big fan of convection ovens because I don't like to actually have to clean my oven. Well, it's also the, more consistent heat, isn't it? It is more consistent heat. Um, you can actually cook things a little bit faster at a little lower heat, so it's a little bit more energy efficient. But for me, the big thing is you don't have to clean your oven. When stuff <laughs> spills, I'm just, I'm so lazy over and it gets in the bottom of the oven if you have if you are using a traditional bake um, you know with a radiant with a coil on the bottom as soon as that coil comes on whatever's in the bottom of the oven starts to burn and your house fills up with smoke right which is not great convection that never happens it's a beautiful thing you can have all kinds of stuff on the bottom of your oven and your house will never smell like smoke it's a fabulous thing but the other part of it is because the air is circulating through and the air goes back into the element and any um, grease particles are burnt off you can actually cook various things in that oven and not have their flavors combined. So mm. you could bake bread at the same time that you're making a roast. So you can do more than one thing in the oven. Um, and you actually have more space. There's usually three um, uh, racks. racks in the oven because the bottom rack, which would normally be right next to the element, which you would never use, you actually can use. So you can put something in the very bottom of the oven, you can put it in the middle, and you can put it in the top, and all the heat from all of that will be much more consistent. So that gives you a little more flexibility. If you really think you need a second oven on top of that, another way to go is to use a microwave convection oven. So um, instead of buying a traditional microwave, you buy a microwave convection, which actually does the same thing. It's another oven. It's just a smaller oven. So you can use it as a second oven instead of buying a whole second oven and getting a microwave. Right. And actually, the microwave convections are just only a little bit more expensive than a traditional microwave. Yeah, like so an extra $100. And we see a lot of clients who they want that second oven when they think about the holidays. And that's pretty much almost the right. only time they really need it, right? right. So the, the micro-convection combination is a nice way to not spend as much money but and, and not have to deal with that extra appliance, but still bridge the gap and get that extra right. capacity. Exactly. So 
that's the answer to the question. Go with a single oven or you know a range and a second uh, microwave convection, and you can get a lot of flexibility at lower cost. Or if you know, frankly, if budget is no option, yeah, go for the two ovens. Like you'll never like have it all, right? That's fine. But uh, but yeah, if you're like most of us and there's a little budget involved, go with the uh, single oven and the microwave convection. Very good. All right. all right. That was excellent. You did that so well. Oh, thank you. It's always so pleasant to get your comp- like compliments. So that brings us to the end of this episode. And so, uh, again, in case you haven't figured out, we're also, uh, when we can and when we get some questions in, we're doing Q&A as part of uh, Renovation Made Right. So we would love to get your questions. Um, and so our, our website is available, renovationmaderight.com. And uh, you're welcome to hop on there, submit a question, and we will, uh, we will read it uh, in the, one of the next shows and do our best to answer it. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, thank you for listening, and uh, we appreciate it. I am David Bryan. And I am Brenda Bryan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com, and follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, leave us a review.